I invite you to remain standing as you're able and hear gladly and listen especially closely tonight to the greatest story ever told from the second chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. And I'm reading tonight from the old King James text. Hear the word of God. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all people. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away into heaven that the shepherds said to each other, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, just as it was told unto them. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. You may be seated. Contrary to what your bulletin says, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes on signs. I want to talk about one verse in the 20 that we just read, verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I've noticed in these days that people of faith more than ever before are looking for signs. I'm talking about hints, clues, markers that might confirm that we're actually on the right track in our faith, that we're headed in the right direction. And it's a comfort to me when I read the Scripture to find that the Bible is absolutely chocked full of signs and wonders, which give evidence 
to the fact that God is actively immersed and engaged in the affairs of God's creation and in your personal life as well. Signs. For Noah, it was a rainbow. For Abraham and Sarah, it was a son in their barrenness, their old age. For Joseph in the Old Testament, you remember the dream coat, it was a dream, a sign from God. For Moses, it was a staff. For the Hebrew children wandering in the wilderness, it was a pillar of cloud by day, sign of God, and a pillar of fire by night. And for the church in the first century and even in the 21st century, as we will share in tonight, bread and wine, signs of God's abiding presence that directs us, and we all need them. Some of you know that my sense of direction, geographically speaking, is not so good. It's a little embarrassing. Uh, And yet I have learned so much about the world by getting lost. Uh, I'm not very good with, with street names and highway numbers. I'm much better with landmarks, you know. For example, if you were to say to me tonight after the benediction, Davis, get on 31 South, uh, turn on 397 West and go Southeast to the stop sign, you've lost me. But if you were to say to me tonight, turn right across from the Chick-fil-A and go down past Mr. Turner's barn and time you get to the third church, turn left, I'm with you. I can follow that. I need the signs. What you need to know is I've spent a lot of my ministry in remote places. I'm talking about backwoods places where there was a time in my ministry where we really had to walk towards town to hunt. (laughs) I'm talking backwoods places. I spent a lot of ministry in places like that that I loved where if you wanted to go anywhere, you had to take a right at the second paved road, go past the cemetery next to the silos, and when you smell the pigs, you're there. Some of you have been there. I need some signs. My wife gave me a tip the other day. She said, honey, if you come to a stop sign and you think you should go right, go left and you'll be there. She has not as yet understood that this is actually a sign of brilliance. Of course, every female in the house tonight knows that the greatest harm that you can ever do to the male ego is to make him stop and ask directions. It's terrible. In fact, it's been said that the reason Moses meandered for 40 years was because he refused to stop and ask directions. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but one other thing while we're talking about it, the most annoying thing in the world is when someone prefaces their instructions, their directions to me by saying, you can't miss it. That's a lie. I have to tell you, I have learned the hard way that sometimes you can follow the directions and still miss it. A lot of folks missed it that first Christmas night. The government missed it. They were so busy legislating. The Sanhedrin missed it. They were so busy pontificating. The religious professionals, the priests, most of them missed it. They had the directions. They had the scripture, the prophecy, but they never made it to Bethlehem. 
they miss the signs. I'm telling you what you already know, that you can know the way and still miss it. Luke says shepherds were the first responders. I love that little detail. They were the lowest of the low. They were Bedouins, blue-collar boys who camped out in the woods, in the fields with the flock. They didn't know much about Scripture. They didn't have a copy of the Torah. They couldn't even read. They were illiterate. They were unschooled, untrained, unsophisticated. In fact, is it just me? Am I the only one who sees it's rather odd, frankly, that an angel would appear to them at all? (laughs) But they too, the shepherds, are a sign of something. What? They're a clue that the gospel is not just for the rich and famous. It's for the least. It's for the last. And it's for the lost. When the shepherds heard the angel's message, what did they do? I love this. They didn't sit around. They didn't procrastinate. They made haste. That's an old phrase. They, they ran to see for themselves. This is the first sign of the Christmas rush, of course. They ran to see, but not before the angel gave them a sign. Now, this is not in your Bible. This is a revised chapel version, but this is the way it happened. The angel said, take the second dirt road to the left, and when you get to the city limits of Davidstown, you're going to see a barn on a hill. You'll likely hear a baby crying, cross over the pasture, watch your step, and there in a trough that is designed for feeding cows, you'll see the Son of God. What? An infant child in a feed box in the country? That's a sign? Shocking. It would seem more fitting to me if the angel had said to the shepherds, hey, take the Via Maris to Rome, and when you get to Caesar's palace, go up on the second floor, and you will find laying in the royal bassinet in a silk gown with a silver spoon in his mouth, the Son of God. Or, it would make more sense, go up to Jerusalem, to the temple, go through the court of the Gentiles, and when you get inside the Holy of Holies, there in the ark between the seraphs and the candlesticks, you'll find the Messiah. But a manger? Are you kidding me? What is that a sign of? Uh, A sign of indigence, maybe? A sign of poverty? A sign of destitution or inhospitality? A sign of a a new abusive tax law or a scandalous couple who seems to have gotten the cart before the horse? But this is the sign. In the most humble, ordinary, and mundane setting, God is entering into our world. And the shepherds saw it first in a manger. I have a retired preacher friend in Atlanta. He retired two years ago. I haven't forgiven him for it. And he's recently written a book about his pastoral experience. I had heard him tell this story before. I love this story. He tells about a 97-year-old woman he used to visit in the assisted living place near Emory University. It's called Wesley Woods. It's a Methodist retirement home. 
This 97-year-old needed to do a little banking one day, and the rule at the retirement home is that the residents can't go anywhere by themselves. They have to have a buddy with them, so she took her 99-year-old friend. (laughs) They caught the bus. They went to the bank across from the Emory Law School. She took care of her business, and then they walked across this busy intersection to sit on the bench and wait for the bus to go home. Now, if you've been to Atlanta in August, you know how hot it can be. The humidity is terrible. In fact, it's worse than the stupidity. Hot August afternoon, she wanted her friend. She was concerned that she'd get overheated, and so she looked around, and, and she found a piece of cardboard to shield her friend from the sun, and she held it up so that her friend wouldn't be overheated. People were passing by, and they would see him and smile and point at them and then laugh, and She'd wave back, and people are so friendly today, she'd say, two law students saw them, and they just doubled over laughing. And she said to her friend, I guess, I guess we do look funny. I mean, two old ladies sitting in front of a college campus. And then she saw the bus coming. She stood up. She laid the cardboard down on the bench. And when she did, she noticed two words on the flip side that she had not seen. It said, for sale. She didn't have any takers, but that woman was sending a message, and she didn't even know it. They're easy to miss, signs. Lord, help us. We live in an age where it's easy to miss the bus. It's easy to get lost in a world of mixed signals, and I don't know about you, but I think we need a sign. And tonight we have one. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find a baby wrapped in rags, lying in a manger. What kind of sign is that? It's a sign of hope. It's a sign of God in our skin. It's a sign of love that has come down It's a sign of the divine one in human rags, and it's a clue that there will be no limit to how low God will go to show his love for us. I'm telling you, the child born tonight, he doesn't just show us the way to God. He is the way to God. If you want to know what God looks like, Turn right on the second dirt road and look in the manger. And you'll know. Last word. Last year at the 8 o'clock Christmas Eve service, it was a night much like this. Something happened that I will never, ever forget. I had the benediction. We had sung silent night. People were leaving, exiting quickly, going into their homes. The pews emptied, all except for one couple about midway back on the aisle. They were sitting very close to each other. Uh, They were cuddling. Frankly, they were smooching. Uh, You talk about PDAs in the church. Hadn't seen that before. I figured they were taking a little too seriously Paul's admonition to greet one another with a holy kiss. But whatever, there it was. And I, I had to do something about it. I mean, I started to say, get a room. I do know a guy that has a barn just south of here. I wasn't sure what to do. I didn't want to embarrass. I said, 
y'all doing okay? And the fellow said, we're better than okay. I said, I can see that. And then she held up her hand. And there it was, shining like a star in the east. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was a diamond. And I thought to myself, this guy's good. <laughs> it was a sign. They didn't tell me, but I know what happened during the passing of the light while we were singing Silent Night. This guy <laughs> popped the question in front of God and all of you. And she said, yes. Before I left, I said, y'all can stay here as long as you want. I'll be back on Sunday. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I smiled all the way home. I smiled all night because I don't, there's somehow it seemed appropriate and it occurred to me that the greatest public demonstration of affection that the world has ever known happened on a starlit night on a dirt road in Davidstown in a little cattle stall where God proposed to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have life everlasting that's his proposal. And I tell you, that kind of demand, that demands a response. Now, I don't know why you've come tonight. Maybe you came because you always come on Christmas Eve. Four o'clock's your time. You got here early enough. You got a seat. But some of you came here tonight, and by your very presence, you're saying yes to God's proposal. Yes. I hope that's you. Tonight, friends, you just can't miss it. The signs are everywhere. They're everywhere. And like the shepherds of old, once you have seen the sign, you actually become a sign yourself so that the world will know that Mary's boy in the manger is the way, <laughs> the truth, and the life. And once you have known Jesus and seen him, you can never be lost. In Jesus' name, amen.